you remember what epiphany means, right? Right, to reveal. And so throughout the season of epiphany, we've already heard and we will continue to see how Jesus is our Savior, right? As the one that God had sent. That's the fact that God's word continues to hold out in front of us each and every Sunday, each and every day during Epiphany. Jesus is the Son of God, the one that God has sent. Now, did you hear this in the news this week about a man named Stephen Thomas? Stephen Thomas is a a man who he invested in Bitcoin. Bitcoin has gone up quite a bit. He wrote down his password to his Bitcoin account on a piece of paper in 2012 and then lost the piece of paper. With your Bitcoin account, you get 10 attempts to get your password right before you are locked out of your account. And there's no way to recover it. There's $250 million worth of Bitcoin in his account. He's used eight of his ten attempts and has basically resigned himself to the fact that he's probably not going to remember it on the last two. Now, if I were to sit here and convince you that it might be wise to have a password manager, I could probably do so, and I'd probably use a a, a fancy picture like this that would point out that about two-thirds of you know that having a secure password is important, that 90% of you understand the risk of reusing passwords, right? That if you have passwords that you reuse, well, boy, people can get into a lot of accounts then if you begin to reuse them somewhat regularly. Two-thirds are fearful of password hacking. And yet... says 41% choose a password that's easy to remember. 60% use the same or similar passwords. 55% do it even though they understand the risk. Right, then there's probably more stats, well, at least on this infographic, there's a whole bunch more stats that, that talk about how people choose easy-to-crack info to create passwords, things like pets' names, birthdays, your family Family names, initials, significant dates, numbers, your hometown, your school name, your mascot, right? All sorts of things that would say, boy, this is going to be easy. Like if you're going to convince somebody of something, that's what you do, right? You help them see not only what could happen if they don't do it, but you might show pictures and numbers and data depending on well, what the person's like, all sorts of things to convince them of it. You have what you know and what you want them to know and believe and understand, and so you you do all you can to convince them of it. Now, if they don't know anything about the thing that you're talking about, it might be a little easier to convince them. If that person already has an idea in their mind about how they are to go about something, or they have a whole bunch of ideas as far as well, this is how things should be, it might be a little more difficult to convince them, right? But we have at least in our minds a thing that says, okay, if I'm going to convince somebody, this is how I'm going to do it. And if all of a sudden someone's going to convince me of something, you're going to say, tell me why. 
Show me some things that help me understand why this is a good idea or why I should believe what you do. We see the same thing happening in our gospel lesson this morning. Jesus had been baptized. He had gone out into the desert for 40 days. And now he had come back and was was still up in the northern part of of Israel. And he had called his his first disciples. On the before this, John the Baptist had pointed to Jesus and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Peter and Andrew had heard that and they began to follow Jesus. And now the next day he sees Philip, who comes from Bethsaida and was familiar with Peter and Andrew, and he says, follow me. And Philip gets up and he's like, well, I'm going to follow you, but let me go tell my friend Nathaniel here. So he runs and he finds Nathaniel, and listen to what he says. He says, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of, of Joseph. As an Israelite, there was nothing better to to finally be able to share with somebody. We have found him. We have found the one that God had promised in the Old Testament that Moses and all the prophets have talked about. He's here. We found him. He's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Did Nathaniel's answer surprise you? Or maybe as you you read or hear Nathaniel's response in your head, how does it sound? Almost like a, in mine, it was always almost like a sneer, right? Really? Nazareth? Can anything good come from that backwater town of Galilee? But Nathaniel was responding in a way that reveals something about Nathaniel. Nathaniel knew God's word. Nathaniel knew that the, none of the Old Testament prophecies about the Savior who would come mentioned Nazareth at all. And so for Philip to all of a sudden come and say, Nathaniel, we have found the one, the one that God had promised through, through Moses and the prophets. He's here. He's Jesus of Nazareth. Immediately what goes through Nathaniel's head is, no, that probably isn't the Savior because the Bible doesn't say anything about the Savior having anything to do with Nazareth. Philip, what's his response? It wasn't to set up a PowerPoint that clearly displayed how the the man he had just talked to moments ago and who had called him to follow him was the Messiah. It wasn't to begin to spout off to him all the different things perhaps Philip knew about about Jesus and about what Jesus had been doing and saying and teaching and preaching. It was simply to say what? Come and see. I understand your doubts. I understand it might take a little bit to convince you, but just come and see for yourself. And Nathaniel, for all the doubts that he had in his, his mind, for all the things that was in, in Daniel's ears that were screaming, you're going to have to convince me on this, follows Philip. And as Philip and Nathaniel are coming close, what does Jesus say? 
Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel, as an Israelite, was looking forward to that Savior who was coming. He knew God's word. He knew God's promises. He knew what to look for. He had a heart that was looking forward to the fulfillment of those prophecies that God had promised. He knew God's word and was looking forward to that Savior who was coming. And Jesus recognized it in him. And Nathaniel's caught a little off guard, right? How do, Have we met? How do you know me? And Jesus simply says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now you can read all sorts of commentaries that will talk about if a person wasn't at home. They may, a lot of times, when it was time for their, their prayers, they would go and sit under a fig tree because those were fairly common in Israel. And so it, put, it could have been that Nathaniel had been praying to God under a fig tree. It could have been something else that Nathaniel was doing. But whatever it was, it must have been something that was rather personal to Nathaniel, right? For all of a sudden, Jesus to say, I saw you under the fig tree before before Philip called. And instantly, Nathaniel is convinced. Right? He says, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Right? Immediately, Philip and Nathaniel was convinced that Jesus was the Son of God and the Savior God had promised. Right? In a moment, he was absolutely convinced that the one who was standing before him was exactly who Philip had said. We have found the one that Moses speaks about and the prophets wrote about. Jesus is the Son of God. The Savior God had promised. And Jesus goes on. He says, you believe because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Very truly, I say to you. Other translations might say truly, truly. If, if it's really close to the, to, the Greek and the, to the Greek, it'll say amen, amen. In other words, it's something that a, a person would use to, to say the, the words that follow have some emphasis, have some, some meaning and some weight behind them. Right, Nathaniel, you were convinced because I told you I saw you under a fig tree, but you're going to see even greater things than that. And Jesus wasn't just talking about the miracles and the things that, that the rest of the disciples were going to witness over the next three years, but ultimately he was going to be talking about that thing that came at the very end of those three years. And he made mention of it in such a way that alluded back to an Old Testament Bible story. Right, you remember Jacob and Esau? Jacob and his mother Rebekah trick Israel, or trick Isaac, into giving uh, Jacob the blessing and Esau's man and is ready to kill Jacob. So Jacob has to leave. And the first night, as he's headed back to his family up in, up, up in the north, 
Right? He has a dream at Bethel where he sees a stairway to heaven and the Son of God standing on top and saying, I will be with you. And now Jesus uses that same picture and says, I'm the stairway. Right? I'm the way for sinners to get to heaven. And you're going to see just how that comes to fulfillment. You're going to see greater things than me being able to see you under a fig tree. You're going to see greater things than me walking on water, calming storms, raising the dead, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind. You're going to see me on a cross. And there, see me in all my glory. As I live and I die and I rise again so that you can be certain that eternal life is yours. You're going to see me, ultimately, as the Savior. As the Messiah, the one God has sent. For Philip to know what he knew about the Savior meant he knew God's word. And Jesus is now telling Nathaniel, you're going to see even greater things than that. Right? You're not just going to be, have to be satisfied with what you know now, but as you continue over the next three years to continue to grow in your faith as you listen to my preaching and teaching, ultimately it's going to lead you to the cross. Because true faith is never satisfied to rest on what one has already discovered. Nathaniel knew things about the Messiah. He knew the promises God had given in the Old Testament. And by pointing him forward and saying, you're going to see even greater things than that, Nathaniel's, he's encouraging Nathaniel, look, don't just be satisfied with what you already know, but continue to grow in this because you're going to see even greater things and have to put them together. Right? It's why after Jesus rose from the dead, he, he poured out his Holy Spirit on them in a very special way so that they would be able to put all the pieces together, be able to take those Old Testament promises and put them together with the New Testament fulfillment in Jesus and see how all the pieces fit so that as they went out and told other people to come and see in their own minds and in their own hearts, they would be convinced that the one they had been with, the one who was still with them, was the Son of God, was the one that God had sent, was the Savior. That's the temptation for us, isn't it? I mean, to, to look at that phrase and say, isn't that a temptation for you and I? To be satisfied with and to rest on what we've already know and what we've already been what's already been revealed to us it's a temptation to say i know who jesus is i know who jesus what jesus did for me i know what's mine because of it i'm good now maybe those exact words and those exact thoughts don't go on between your ears but do your actions reflect it? Right? You can look at worship attendance. Whether online or in person, how often are you here listening to God's word? 
Or are there things that quickly distract us? And we rationalize it and, and just don't really let it sink in that in essence what I'm saying is I don't need to be here regularly because, well, I've heard it before. I'm resting on what I've already discovered, and I'm good. Right? We could look at, at just our own Bible class attendance and say, I don't need to be into God's word with my fellow Christians because, well, I've heard it, or I can do it on my own. When we realize and know, I'm probably not going to do that. Right? We could look at our own personal devotion life and our personal reading and study of God's word. And my guess is, like me, you struggle with it. It doesn't take much for all sorts of things to keep us from having a faith that, doesn't, that isn't satisfied and rest on what we already know. And get distracted by all the things that come up in life. Instead, What does God call us to do? To not only have a faith that is never satisfied to rest on what God has already, on what we've already discovered, but to continue to grow in it. Right? Continues to grow through the new discoveries in one's life with Christ. It's what, in fact, it's what God urges us to do. Look at what he says in the book of 1 Peter. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Right? He says, as you have come to faith, now continue to crave that that pure spiritual milk of God's word so that you can grow up in your salvation. Peter says the same, almost the same thing at the end of his second letter. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This isn't something where he says, once you know or get to a certain point, you're okay. But he says, as a mature believer, as a maturing believer, this is something that you are constantly doing. You are constantly craving that pure spiritual milk of God's word. Now that you've seen and you've tasted that God is good, it's something you want more of. As a child of God, I don't rest on what I already know, but I continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of my Savior. Because there are going to be times and moments in life where I have doubts. Doubts that God is going to keep his promises. Doubts about my own faith. Doubts about who God is and what he's done for me. Doubts about whether it's all real. And when those doubts come, I can go back to Philip and Nathaniel. Right? And and hear Philip just simply say, Come and see for yourself. And as I do, what has God revealed to me in his word? God shows me he is a faithful God. A faithful God who is always there and who never leaves or abandons me. So if I have that thought in my mind that it seems as though God isn't with me or that God is distant, God's word tells me otherwise. Perhaps as I I feel guilt over past sins, as I doubt perhaps at times God's own forgiveness, I come and see my Savior. And what does my Savior show me? 
He shows me exactly what he's done for me and how that's a reflection of how he feels about me. That is, in his undying love for me, he came and he lived and he died so that I could be his forever, so that I could stand there and know that my sin is completely gone. Or if I look at the encouragement those passages give me, and I feel guilt and sorrow because I've been satisfied with where my faith is instead of taking advantage of opportunities to grow in it, I come and see my Savior who forgives me. Because ultimately, the Word always takes me to the cross, doesn't it? God's Word always ends up taking me to the same place Jesus was telling Philip and Nathaniel this was all going to end up at. A cross. A cross where Jesus pays for every last one of my sins, takes all of my guilt away, and finally takes all of my doubt and crushes it. At the cross, ultimately, I am convinced not only of who Jesus is, but I get to see what he's done for me. At the cross, I see my sin forgiven, my doubts answered, and a God who loves me and is faithful to me. So, perhaps as you are here or watching us online, you are a doubter or a skeptic. Come and see. I'd be more than happy to sit and talk with you and at least talk through your questions and take you back to God's word. Perhaps you're, you're new to Christianity and, and new to the faith. C come and see. Come and see again and, and, and join one of our small groups or, or jump into God's word on a regular basis so that well, you can continue to, to grow in your spiritual faith so that you will continue to crave that pure spiritual milk and grow up in your salvation. Or perhaps you're a mature believer. Advice is no different, is it? Come and see. Don't be satisfied with where you are now, but continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Join one of our small groups that just got started. If you have kids, sign up for it and walk your kids through the, our, our, our Savior Kids ministry every week so that not only are you growing in your faith, but you're walking with your kids as the Holy Spirit grows their faith through the Word. You have all sorts of opportunities. All sorts of opportunities to come and see that Jesus is the Son of God, your Savior, and in that good news, to grow. Amen. And the peace of God which goes beyond our understanding will guard and will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.